Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, welcome everybody to our Bible class for this morning. Before we begin, let's open with prayer. Lord God, you have caused all the Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered in your Holy Word, we can embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which we find in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. So, hopefully, um, last week we had, we had Mark. Hopefully he did a... A decent job. Um, good to hear. So uh, uh, this week we keep going with this um, with this uh, survey of important stories and lessons in the Old Testament. Um, today we, we we're doing um, Joseph, uh, uh, some highlights of, of Joseph's life. Um, the Bible truth that this lesson is trying to get across to us, and I think it's. I think it's an important one, is that God is with us in good times and in bad times. Um, the goal that this lesson is trying to get across to us is, I can relate how God was with Joseph during his trials to how God is with me in my own trials. And the Bible verse to say this is Romans 8.28, For those who love God, all things work together for good. So let's uh, uh, just the lesson tells me to give you a bit of a recap on Joseph because we kind of jump into the middle of things here. But in th- in in chapter thirty seven, we get introduced to Joseph. Joseph is the second youngest son of Jacob. He's the second youngest. Remember, Jacob has 12 sons, uh, 13, 13, 12, yeah, he's got 12 sons. Um, Joseph is the second youngest, but his father treats him as if he was the firstborn. As he's his favorite. Do, we, do you guys remember why Joseph is treated as the favorite? Because he's Rachel's. Because he's Rachel's. He's born to his favorite wife. <laughs> um, the fact that he can, that he has a favorite wife, and he means that is is its own set of problems. All right, so there's probably a lot of rivalry going on in this family. Um, besides the fact that Joseph is already treated as the firstborn uh, by by his father, Joseph, you remember, gets these dreams of his brothers and his mother and father bowing down to him. And his brothers really don't think that's appropriate. They don't take kindly to that. And so when the opportunity arises, what do they do? They sell him into slavery, right? Um, how cold-hearted do they have to be? They know, they know their father loves him. And, and, and so they take this robe... That this robe that he uh, his father had made for him special, and what do they do with it to prove to their father that 
he was dead. They put blood on it. They rip it, put the blood on it. Is, Is this your son's coat? All right. And so he sold into slavery to the uh, Midi, uh, to the Ishmaelites, who then sell him uh, into uh, <coughs> Egypt. So, that, so that 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 brings us to um, that brings us to our text. Um, uh, oh no, almost. So when he's in when he's in Egypt. <laughs> Joseph is sold into the service of a guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar is the captain of Pharaoh's guard. So he's pretty high up in the, uh, in the hierarchy. Uh, Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of, the, of his household, of all he had. He's the chief of all Potiphar's servants. And when Joseph is sold into slavery, he's 17 years old. All right. Potiphar's wife thinks that uh, Joseph is, is pretty hot stuff. And she really wants to sleep with him. And after rejecting her advances one too many times, what does she do? Frames. She frames him. She has his cloak and she says, look at what your servant did to me. He tried to... And uh, so um, Potiphar then puts him in prison. And that, that brings us then to our text this morning. So just a recap of Joseph's story. <clears throat> so let's, let's uh, look at that opening reflection there. Think about a time when you've had a negative past experience and that has allowed you to help somebody in the present. How did that work? So have you ever, has something bad ever happened to you? And then later on in life, you were able to use that to help somebody. We can use our experience, share it with others so that maybe they don't make the same errors or mistakes or break laws or sin sure. like we did. Yeah. You guys have any more specific examples of how that might work? Either... Your own, or maybe one that you know of, or, or a similar type of example. When when my dad was dying, um, I remember sitting we sitting with the doctor having an end of life conversation, and he told me that everybody thinks that medicine is an exact science. He says it's not; it's trial and error. We try this to see if it works. If it does, great. If it doesn't, then we try something else. And uh, that really put things in perspective for me. And I've had conversations with other people that are going through medical, prolonged medical illnesses. And, and to me, that's kind of a, it puts put things into better perspective. It's trial and error, it's not an exact science. Right. What about you? Do you have any, any thoughts? I had uh, back problems, as you know, for about well, 12 years or so. Almost chronic. I was hardly without them and I wasn't able to do a lot. And so now that it's better, <laughs> um, I can sympathize with people and help them out. Right. People like Al and this, you know, physical problems and stuff and, and different people I can help because tell them there's going to be a better day ahead. That's, that's right. And and isn't isn't that the the 
purpose of support groups, isn't it? Right? Al-Anon, isn't that the general idea? I've been through this bad thing. I've been addicted to this substance. I broke it. I broke free and I'm clean for X number of years and you can do it too, right? Isn't that kind of, kind of the, the idea behind some of those support groups? Because um, it's easy. The, the point is it's easy when you're going through a hard time to feel alone or abandoned or hopeless. Um, and if you can share, if you can have gone through something similar, you can share with them, look, I was in the same place, but you know what? God didn't leave me. He didn't abandon me. Um, I didn't see the purpose of this when I, when it happened, but now I see looking back, I see the purpose of this. Um, and, uh, that kind of thing. So that, that's, a. It can help us to see um, what's going on here. Well, that means so much, too. I mean, me, I think we've all done it. Uh, oh, I understand. But we've never gone through that. Right. But if somebody that has gone through some hardship, that means a lot more to the person than somebody else saying, I understand when they really right. they are empathizing, but they really don't know. Really don't know, right. That's right. We, um, our culture... Our culture really places the emphasis on um, experiential knowing, right? Like you can know, you can have a, a knowledge of what it might be like, like you're saying. Uh, but to have gone through it, we place a higher value as a culture on having gone through something than, uh, than just knowing it in theory. All right, well, let's... Turn to our text, remembering, um, we'll read 29 verses 20 to 23. I'll start us off. Um, I'm actually going to start at verse 19, just to, it looks, in my edition here, that that's a paragraph, so might as well just back up. And as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him, and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So the first question here, let's brainstorm different ways Joseph could have reacted to this terrible situation he finds himself in. He could have tried to escape, sure. That's right. Reacted with righteous indignation. Anger, you know, how dare you? I've served you well. I've, I've, you know, yeah, okay, anger. Like, did, did he even say to the, uh, the fellow that uh, this is not, I didn't do this? We don't, we don't even know that. We don't even know that. Though there is, um, there is um, some, I, I, um, Oh, where is that? I found out something new um, when I was doing this, and I gotta find it now. Um, 
Yeah, it was. Um... Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, um, so, so it's important to see um, jails aren't common in the ancient world. So the fact that he's put in this jail, this is a jail, um, they're not common, but Egypt has them. And this is, um, this is not just any jail. What kind of jail is it? It's the king's jail. The king's jail, right? That's going to come into play later. There's a, you know, um, if Potiphar truly believed that his slave Joseph was actually guilty of sexually assaulting his wife, um, the off with his head. Now, so so that's something. Yeah. Instead, um, since Joseph, how is Joseph? What is he referred to in thirty-nine verse one? He's called the captain of the guard. You see that? That's what Potiphar is. If you look at forty verse three. And he put them in custody in the house of what? In the house of captain of the, captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. So you, you notice um, Potiphar is the one who's in charge of the prison. Or he's over the guy who's... The prison is connected here to Potiphar's house. So he just transfers Joseph to another place under his authority. And um, this doesn't mean that his imprisonment is a farce. It suggests that Potiphar's anger might have been more directed at his wife than it was at, 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 at Joseph. Maybe Potiphar knows what's going on. He's got no proof of it. His wife is maybe somebody special. So he's kind of got a... Or he didn't want to listen to her continuously nag about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, either way, Potiphar, after an, you know, an adequate show of righteous anger, Joseph is gradually given a position of authority. So there could be a little bit of, uh, um, a little bit of that going on there. Now, that's new to me. I, I didn't get that until I... Until I read the background commentary. It, it might be something like, okay, let's get you out of the house. And uh, that way, you know, she won't be bothered about it. You won't be bothered about it. Well, obviously, there was a problem there and he had, it didn't work. So, so we have Joseph being anger, angry. What other reactions can Joseph potentially have to this situation? He can be angry at God. He can be angry at God, right. And, and that could lead him to do what? To fall away from God, right? Because um, remember, um, what does he say? Um, what does he say to... Um, uh, in, in verse 8, or verse 9 of 39, he says, um, How then can I do this great w- wickedness and sin against God. So what's the reason besides, you know, it's this, this is, you're not my wife, which is essentially what he says in the first place. His other reason is that this would be a sin against God. And so 
he is thrown in jail for not sinning against God. Not sinning against God. So faithfulness to God wound him right in jail. And so when you see that, how, how might he react? He might say, well, if serving God just makes things worse for me rather than better, well, then why should I worship this God? Right? That could, be an, that could have been his reaction. What other reactions could he potentially have had? Oh yeah, he could completely felt sorry for himself. Yeah, get depressed and depressed. Sure. Not cooperate with the guard. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah, uh, he could have complained, <laughs> moaned and complained and whined about it the whole time. Is there? I'm here unjustly. You know, everybody in in jail is innocent, right? Um. Okay, so how can Joseph's actual response serve as as, as an example to us today? I think, first of all, him being a slave, it shows that he accepts his station in life. That, that's a, uh, you know. And he responds in a very humble way. Right, yeah. Submitting to his master. Yeah, he, he rec- yeah that, that, that's a good point. How else does... Jo- trusted in God, even though bad things are yeah. happening. That's right. So, no matter what the bad things that are happening to him, during difficult times, he does not give up on his faith in God. That is a, a, a huge point about Joseph's faith, and it's hugely applicable to us. Um, what else? Any other thoughts on, on Joseph's response and how it can be uh, an example for us? He makes the best of things. He makes the best out of the situation, the hand, you know, as we would say, you know, he, makes, he, he plays the hand that he's dealt. He, 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 he makes the best out of a bad situation. Right? He doesn't complain. He, he doesn't get angry. Um, and notice it says that um, the steadfast love of God was with him. Steadfast love is a very hard word to translate in Hebrew. It's hesed. H-E-S-E-D or something like that, has said. Um, it sometimes is translated loyal love um, or covenant love. The idea is God remembers his promises and God will show you love because God um, always keeps his promises. He always keeps his word. Um, so that's the kind of love God shows to him. Um, that, and, and that's, that's important to see because it, it means, um, that God does not ever withdraw his love for, from us, even though we might be going through bad, hard times or, or bad situations. All right. Well, let's jump over to, uh, chapter 41 then. We'll start in verse 9. Uh, and can somebody read verses 9 through 13? Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, 
We dreamed on the same night, he and I each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And when, when we told him his interpretation of the dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. All right. Um, just, a, just a bit of a historical note here. Um, throughout Genesis and into the Exodus, um, the, the names of the pharaohs aren't given. So it's, it's a bit tricky to identify, identify them with the actual pharaohs. But there are, um, there are things here in the story that match up with Egyptian history. Little small little details that, that tell us that this is authentic and not just made up. Um, there was a time period uh, in Egypt where a large number of Semites uh, either settled in Egypt or are mentioned in Egypt as serving in government positions. This is called the Hyksos uh, period. Um, so that, that's important because Joseph is a Semite, right? Semites. Um, so there is a time period in Egypt where, where this, could, this could have potentially happened, all right? Where, where foreigners were given positions of power and, um, and a lot of them moved in. Additionally, um, as we'll see throughout this, some of the changes that happen, um, um, it makes sense with what we have from Egypt of this time period. Um, and scholars debate exactly when. Um, but the other details around this lend it a lot of credibility because it, it, there's details about Egyptian life that if you were making this up, you just wouldn't have access to. Does that make sense? So just a, a little bit of uh, background there. Okay, so... How does God salvage the situation of Joseph and the cupbearer to accomplish his plan? He gave Joseph the interpretations of the cupbearer first. The cupbearer first, right. Yep. Uh, you remember Joseph, the, the cup, both the cupbearer and the baker uh, have dreams. Joseph gives the interpretation and one is hanged and the other... Um, so, so that's important to see. So, so um, <laughs> jo- it's going to be stated, stated later that Joseph is about 30 years old at this point. So we don't know how long he served Potiphar's household before being sent to prison. But it could be upwards of 13 years he spent in prison. <laughs> Um, so, um, but he was running the place. But he was running the place. That's right. Um, so, what does that tell you about God's timing on things? Patience required. It's in his time. Yeah. It's right um, that uh, things don't often happen on our timetable. Um, uh, you know, uh, sometimes they happen on God's timetable. Um, So, so God takes that bad situation and he's going to bring something good out of it. And it begins with 
the cupbearer telling who about Joseph? <laughs> the king, Pharaoh, right? So th- that's important to see because Joseph is not just thrown into any prison. He's not just thrown, he's not beaten, he's not executed, he's not sold to someone else. He's placed in this specific prison. Um, and, and so, do you think Joseph knew what was knew what God was doing while he was languishing there in prison? Right? Uh, he may, he could see afterwards. We know he sees afterwards. In hindsight, uh, he says it to his brothers: "You meant it for evil, but God meant this for good." Right? Um, so he can't see that God's working this out. But the Lord is with him, and he makes the best out of a bad situation. The second part of the question here, consider what ways, uh, or a way, that God has salvaged something difficult in the life of our congregation in an unexpected way. So you guys have been here longer than me. <laughs> so you guys, was there a difficult situation in the history of this church, and God made it turn out okay? He made it turn out for the good. First thing that comes to my mind is when Pastor Teuscher left, all of a sudden we had this son of the congregation that was available to fill in until we called him. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of... (laughs) Pastor and I was the answer. Right. What else? What other maybe things in the history of the church, difficult situations that turned out good? I can think of a couple in, uh, you know. The breaking up of. Uh, St. Matthew? Uh, no, no, not St. Matthew. I'm, I'm going way back in history. The breaking up uh, from Zion over there. Oh. This congregation was, was formed, Zion, yeah. Right. And when Zion decided to become Lutherans, <laughs> we <laughs> broke away from and came here. That was my grandparents' time. Uh, yeah, and even going yeah, going back to the formation of the church, the parish in the first days, a bad, there was a, uh, a bad situation, uh, some sort of doctrinal controversy which started this church. A bad situation, there was a big church split. Church splits are never fun. Uh, and yet, you know, we formed this church. Um, off- and even going back to the strife in Europe that caused uh, the Lutherans to immigrate here. Sure. That started these churches in this right 505 years ago that's right that's right that's right um but even even other small things like um uh death deaths in the church um there have been several um several uh individuals whose spouses have died the church has come alongside them um done their funeral and they were once semi-inactive members and now that they're the regular i can think of at least two people like that in this church um so bad things can happen to us and yet and we don't we don't see exactly what's going on or or how it could be good um but it ends up turning out for the good let's read the next uh section here um that's 41, 14 to 36. Somebody want to read that chunk? It's a bit of a larger chunk.
I'll read it. Too long, Pastor, too long. <laughs> then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I saw standing on the banks of the Nile seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. And when they had eaten them, no one uh, would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good, Seven ears, withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and seven ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, there will arise seven years of famine. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the family. All right. So, let's identify ways that Joseph gives test Joseph Joseph's testimony gives all glory to God. It's not me. He doesn't take the credit. That's right. How else does he say? Joseph doesn't uh, try to seek his own glory by suggesting to Pharaoh that he be the one. Right. Right. That's right. 
There's one more way in this. He does it twice, I think. It's all about God's plan. It's all about God's plan. That's right. So that means that he, he, where does Joseph say that the dreams came from? From God, right? He doesn't say that these are from... Now, why is that important in this situation? Because there's many gods in Egypt. Because there's many gods in Egypt. So he's taking the time to give credit to his God. Now, does Pharaoh believe in Joseph's God? Yeah, he just adds him to the pile of other gods. Yes, he adds him. He's a polytheist. Sure, Israel has their God, but he's just added to the pile. That's exactly right. So he's taking, Joseph is taking the time to highlight that God is the source of the dreams and that God has a plan. It's a fixed plan. God's doing something. Now, we can look back on this and we can pause for a moment and ask, what is God? What's God doing with this, with this famine? Why is this important? What's, what's going on? What's God's plan? He's setting up for the future. What's he setting up? What ha- okay, so the famine's going to come. What happens during that famine? Joseph's family comes to Egypt. Now, why is that important? Well, he's setting up a reconciliation for Joseph. Well, yeah, that's true, but think beyond that. Why is it important that Joseph's family go to Egypt? Because they are going to be... They're going to be enslaved in Egypt. What's God setting up? Retribution. He's setting up the Exodus, right? He's setting up the Exodus. The Exodus in the Old Testament is, um, is the, 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 the chief metaphor, image, picture that God gives about salvation. You were slaves in Egypt and I set you free. Right? That, that, that's when, when, the Egypt, when, when they think of salvation in the Old Testament, that's what they think of. That's the image. Uh, and the New Testament uses this all the time, especially in Revelation and other places, um, to describe what Jesus does, right? Um, uh, in the Transfiguration, in Luke's account, it says that um, they were talking about his exodus, which he was about, your translations sometimes say departure. And that's a, those translators need to be slapped upside the head. Um, the word is exodus um, and that in, in Greek. Um, his exodus, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem, right? What's, so God has a plan, and that plan involves the exodus. It involves God's people being set free from uh, bondage, to, uh, bondage and God demonstrating his power and calling a nation and, uh, you know, starting that, the plan that goes all the way to Calvary. Well, it, start, it starts here. And it starts with seven years of famine. <laughs> so it's important to see that. I think that's a very important point to see how God is working through this. So what can you learn then uh, from Joseph about how you can acknowledge God's care in both good times and bad? Let's put it differently. Oh, go ahead. Right. Is he setting up like 
you know, after the ascension of Christ over all the years, is he setting up the second coming of Christ? I mean, all of <laughs> everything sets up the next thing, right? right. Um, the, the Exodus sets, you know, so yeah, and, and, you can see God's plan. We, we have God's plan written in the Bible and we can see where we are and, and the events of the world now uh, or and they have been for the last 2000 years uh, set up the second coming. And, and one day you're right. One day like this, we'll be able to look back at all the things that have happened in our lives and throughout history. And we'll be able to see God's hand clearly at work where maybe we can't quite see it now. So that, that, that is a good point, and how it, it's moving there. So, so you know, this is this is something I think it's important uh, in a couple different ways. Um, the church, uh, you know, compared to times in the past, you might think that the church in North America is going through some hard times right now, right? You know. Uh, um, Besides a few parishes here or there locally, uh, in, in Christianity throughout North America is on the decline, right? Um, there might be a church in your town that, that, that's doing well, uh, but their denomination isn't because every denomination, according to statistics, is de- has been declining in the last 10 years. It, it doesn't look nice. It looks like the world is going uh, more and more uh, the opposite way to Christian values and Christian thinking. Um, that's, it, it looks like hard times are ahead of us and, and for our children. So this is an important lesson to know. That, that it's important for us to see that God is caring for us even during hard times. That God's got a plan that he's working out. Um, and that no matter what bad things may happen to us, um, it's our job not to get angry, not to complain, not to despair, not to give up our faith, but to follow Joseph's um, uh, example, to give all credit to God, to trust in whatever plan he's working out that's beyond our ability to see, um, and to um, help others to see that too. Does that make sense? Um, but you can even see this in, in bad things that happen to people. Um, some people have terrible, terrible things that happen to them. You know, unspeakable things. Traumas, hurts, um, right? Um, we don't know why. Somebody might say, why does God allow these bad things to happen? I mean, think about this. What is God? God is saying there will be famine. Are people going to die because of that? Right? Um, so, but, but it's, you know, so, yes, God's plan might be hard, but does God know what's best for us? Far too often as humans, when we run into a problem, we ask God to take that problem away. Right. Even Christ said, uh, Lord, take this cup away from you, mm. but not your will, but my will, or my, mm. my will, your will be done. When for Joseph, I mean, he was, as a slave, he's put in charge of the father's household. As a prisoner, he's put in charge of the prisoners. As a 
as a servant, he's put in charge of the second affair himself. So all those bad things, he doesn't get out of them, but he prospers yep. in them. In them. Um, I think even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't get out of the fiery furnace, mm-hmm. but God walked around in there. That's right. With them. With them. Yep. So that's the, we don't want, we pray that God would take away our suffering, but really all we really need is for him to help us through. Uh, I'm reminded of um, a quote from the Fellowship of the Ring. They're in the minds of Moria and, and Frodo. And Tolkien was a Christian. And he said, um, my story, Lord of the Rings, is a Christian story. Uh, he, he's wrote that in his letters. So he, he, this is not me. He's, he intended this kind of reflection. And so Frodo says, I wish the ring never came to me. And do you remember Gandalf's response? Those of you who've seen the movies or read the books, so do all who live to see such times, but that's not for you to decide. All you have to do is decide what to do with the time that's given to you. And I think that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a very good lesson here. Oh, this is a bad time. I wish I didn't have to live through these dark times. Well, yeah, but that's not your choice. Your choice is to make the best, make the best of what time you have. All right, let's, let's uh, finish, up, finish this up. I'm going to uh, uh, read it here. Um, this proposal, starting in verse 37, pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is the Spirit of God? The Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot and they called out before him, Bow the knee! Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zapanath Paneah, and he gave him in marriage to Asenath, uh, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he um, entered service of Pharaoh, the king in Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and put the, uh, the food in the cities. He put in the city of uh, uh, the food, in every city, the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. So how did... God used and developed Joseph to do his work during his 13 years of captivity. I think we almost covered that already. We did. Yeah. So, though God never promises that we will be exalted like Joseph and ha- or have no troubles, how can and does God use our past experiences according to his will to care for others today? Oh, I see what the question is asking now. What did Joseph do for 13 years? His best. No, but specifically. He witnessed 
He witnessed it. But what was his job in prison? Looking after things. So he has 13 years experience administering things, even though it was in prison. And God uses it. How does God use that? He uses that experience through the hard time to give him a better job. Get him a better job. He who is faithful in least will be faithful in what is much. Right? Jesus says that. So um, Joseph starts out pretty young and proud, and he learns humility through his suffering, and he becomes a good steward. And God can use our experiences uh, to humble us, uh, but also to teach us a thing or two so that we can be of better service to him in the future. Um, By the way, uh, just a a quick note, the... um, there were several types. Joseph is not um, the prime minister. Um, think of Egypt more like a company that has a president, a CEO, and a staff of vice presidents, right? The vice president of production, the vice president of marketing, the vice president of legal, right? That's, that's Egypt. Joseph is given the title basically, and we have this title from the records, Overseer of Granaries of Upper and Lower Egypt. <laughs> so, that, so he's given... He's second to Pharaoh in something very specific, and that is the management of these granaries, right? The, he's, the, he's, he's the minister of agriculture, 100%. That's exactly what it's like. And, by the way, you met, remember, he, he shaved himself. That's clean shaven. That's how Egyptians were. He marries an Egyptian woman. He, right, he's, a, he's part of the culture. That's important because later on his brothers don't even recognize him. All right. That's important. I think by what's coming, but Joseph married an Egyptian. Even Judah, I think, married a Canaanite. Yep. So the Jewish line is pretty. Even Christ's line that, is not all Jewish. That's right. That's right. And, and she was the daughter of a pagan priest. Yeah. And how old was he? Thirty. Thirty. Now. There's no, there's no coincidences in the Bible. <laughs> um, so, final reflection. Re- relate how Joseph, uh, God was with Joseph during his trials and how God is with you in your own trials. Let's actually take that home as something for you to contemplate and think about this week. How was, Joseph, how was God with Joseph and how was God with me during the bad things that I go through? Well, let's pray. Dear God, you were faithful to Joseph. You did not abandon him to suffering and death. You brought him through hard times. You taught him valuable lessons, um, and you placed and he was faithful to you. Uh, Lord, you have chosen not to abandon us in our sin. Uh, but through Christ, you have called us your children. And, and we go through hard times, both personally and, and as countries and as cultures. Help us to see your hand in all things and to trust that uh, no matter what happens, your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at RevFenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward 
to having you with us again next time.